0: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson.
1: Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson, I'm the co founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced-stage breast cancer, a motivational speaker, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And before I introduce my guest today, I want to talk about something that I've talked about a couple times, well, probably more than a couple times on my show, um, about the power of positive activities you know we talk we always talk about the having a positive attitude can get you through so many things but when you're in the midst of a bunch of gloom and doom it's hard to have a positive attitude i mean how do you how do you get one to start with so i always talk about the power of positive activities because a positive activity will lead you to a positive attitude and I'm going to share a couple of examples of that Um, but I want to start with with an example on Sunday. Sunday Breast Friends did our first ever Warrior 5k and it's something that we could you could it was virtual so you could do it um, wherever however you know you wanted to do you could run it you could walk it. I asked my husband if I could drive my car for it but he kind of said no to that. But we did actually do a 5K. We walked um, 5K, and first time I've done that in a really long time. I wasn't sure I'd have the energy for it, but I did it. And I'll tell you, just accomplishing that really felt good. Um, But I want to actually read... something um, from my blog that I I have a blog on my website, it's BeckyOlson.com, and there's a blog page on there with some articles, and I want to share one with you, I can't even remember when I wrote it now, but it's been a while. Anyway, so I'm just going to read this word for word, and then we're going to introduce our guest. So, have you ever felt the weight of the world on your shoulders? It seems one thing after another piles on you until you can no longer function, or you feel like you can no longer stand upright. As cancer survivors, it can often feel that way. We get so overwhelmed with our own diagnoses that other things get dropped on us and life becomes harder and sometimes gloomier. I often hear people say, all you need is a positive attitude and you can accomplish anything. While I agree that a positive attitude is very helpful, it is hard to have one when things seem so gloomy at the moment. How do we overcome our sadness and develop that positive attitude? The key is to do positive non-passive activities. Notice the keywords positive and non-passive. By that I mean do something positive that takes concentration and focus. It's nearly impossible to focus your energy on something negative when all your energy is needed to focus on the positive activity. For example, if you love to paint, then paint. It's hard to focus on the negative with a paintbrush in your hand. If you love photography, go on a walk and take your camera. It's hard to focus on the negative when you're taking photos of nature or photos of something you care about. If you want to get a college degree, then sign up for one class. Just take one class. It's hard to focus on the negative when you're writing a paper on a subject that you care about. If you love to dance, get your shoes out and go dancing. Well, now with COVID, you might just hop around your room, but you know, <laughs> whatever you need to do to make that to make that worthwhile. It's hard to focus on the negative when you're dancing. Especially when you're dancing cheek to cheek with someone you care about. If you love to spend time with your children or grandchildren, take them out for ice cream. It's hard to focus on the negative when you're eating ice cream with someone you care about. And sometimes it's just as simple as taking a shower. Just get in the shower. Your family will thank you for that. Do that and you will understand the power of a positive attitude. But you have to get there first. And this path of positive activities is what I found most helpful in my journey. So do something positive. You have a positive activity, lead it to a positive attitude, and things can change in your, in your world. So with that, I have the pleasure of introducing our guest. And this is a lady that I absolutely love and adore. Um, She practices positive attitude on a regular basis, and you're going to learn about her uh, here shortly. I've known her since 2007, and I actually met her coming up the stairs of our new office. We'd moved from the lower floor to the upper floor to a bigger space. And this was in 2007, and I met her on the stairway with an armful of our stuff, and I Never seen her before, and I didn't know what she was doing with our stuff, (laughs) so we had a little chat right there on the stairs. Um, Diana is now she's a staff member of Brust Friends. She started as a volunteer and quickly became one of our most beloved employees, and she's been with us ever since. She's retiring soon, and I invited her to come on uh, on the show with me today and share uh, just a bit of her story with us. Welcome, Diana. I'm so glad you made the time to be on the show with me today.
2: Well thank you Becky. Yes, a positive attitude is very important and I've been a positive person I think all my life. So
1: Well, ever since I've known you, that's for sure. So, you know, I just there's just so many things about you, Diana, that just um just make my heart happy and and I wanted to get you on the show with me before you retire. So, why don't you take a minute and just tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your family, kids, hobbies, what you know, whatever. I always like our guests to do that so our audience members can get to know you a little bit like I get to. It's always Well, fun.
2: I, ha- I have two grown children and uh, four grandchildren, uh, two older ones and then two younger ones that live with my daughter in, in Heidelberg, uh, Germany. So, uh, and... Um,
0: Let's see.
2: What else? <laughs> you you love you love
1: to travel, and I, I know. Do. And I didn't you go to Germany by yourself to go meet your your grandchildren.
2: I I did. I took a a river cruise. Actually, I was not by myself. I was like with two hundred other be- people.
1: Well, you know the, what I mean. <laughs> <the> cruise ship, <laughs> but not till you got there. I mean, yeah, to I do know. all the traveling. Yeah, yeah. The hardest part's getting there. You know, trying to figure out where do I go now. I mean, is somebody going to meet
0: me? <laughs>
2: yeah, know? it was it was a little nerve wracking for a few minutes, but I I quickly saw someone else that you know a suitcase with the. Uh, luggage tags that matched mine, so I just glommed onto them. You know, Sharon and I did it.
1: Sharon and I went to Italy one time together and we kind of did the same thing that but the two of us went together and we didn't have a clue so we just looked around the airport for people with a similar luggage tag. So there's a there's a tip there audience if you're going to be traveling in a in a crew like with a group like that you don't know anybody just look for the matching luggage tags there's there's yeah, always a clue. Yeah. That was
2: very helpful. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you did that and and now how old were your what you just had one grandchild at that time, it, right?
2: Well, the I had one in, Germany. Yeah, the one way, one in yeah. Germany of Hannes. He was, he just turned two and I hadn't seen, well, I'd seen him briefly uh, a few months before that um, at uh, my other granddaughter's uh, graduation, high school graduation. But I really got to kind of meet him and uh, kind of, um, got to know him a little better, and so, and I am going back, hopefully, uh, we're, uh, a friend of mine and I are going uh, on another river cruise next year, hopefully, wow. uh, cool. and it, it also stops in, in Heidelberg, so I'll get to meet my, my newest little grandchildren. Uh, daughter over over there so she'll be two about two at the same time so So the
1: other one will be how how old is the oldest one now uh, he is uh,
2: he's three yeah okay so So
1: he'll be about five then when you get yeah yeah. well I I hope that this COVID stuff clears up soon because I know all the cruise lines are shut down and you know hopefully you'll be able to do that because that you know I know that's something that you've always really enjoyed doing so um Diana before you came well, let's let's talk about just real quickly your life before cancer. You know, you got diagnosed in two thousand three. So let's talk about before that. I know you were a school teacher, and uh, you specialized in some in a subject that. You know, it's kind of funny. Our kids were grew up on computers, right? Yeah. But you and I had to adopt into it because <laughs> we're old. So yeah. uh, why, why don't you talk a little bit about about what you did? Um, I sort of just gave it away, but go ahead. And just tell us about, about that and, you know, the skills that you learned and how tricky that might have been for someone our age to do that.
2: Well, before breast cancer, yes. I was uh, actually i had started volunteering in my yeah. Uh, my two children's school, and they had a, a computer lab that consisted of uh, Apple IIEs, and probably no one, uh, young, you know, youngers probably don't even know what a two E is, but it was one of the first uh, computers that came out into schools. And so I volunteered in the lab, and then I was hired, and so I taught uh, computer skills to elementary, K through 4, uh, for about 16 so
1: what year was that that you started that you started with the computer? Uh, I was like
2: nineteen eighty five ish, I think.
1: Because we had an IBM PC Junior, and I think it probably came out about that same time in eighty. I think eighty five. I think yeah, is when we. Yeah, I think it
2: was. I think I started uh, in eighty five, somewhere around there, and all these years kind of. Flow together so those
1: truly were the first personal computers yes. I mean I remember working in an insurance company many years ago way before that and the, the, the computers were the size of a room I mean they were huge and they were up on elevated floors so they could keep the floor underneath cool yes. and the room was always like an icicle when you had to walk in there for any reason and boy I'll tell you they kept you off limits they didn't want yeah. people in there <laughs> But I mean, and then to go from that kind of an environment, <clears throat> excuse me, as a young adult, to then, t- you know, learning how to work with a PC, I mean, that that was a that was a huge change.
2: For, yeah, you PCs know, PCs were. Oh, excuse me.
1: No, that's okay. Oh, yeah, PCs, go PCs go ahead. were really
2: hard. To and so I was really glad when Apple came out with theirs oh. <laughs> because it was so much easier.
1: Now, see, I felt the opposite about oh. it, but you know. <laughs> It's probably just what we get used to, I suppose. But um, So you did that, and you did that. Now, was that in the public schools, or was that?
2: Well, 16 years was in the public school, and then I had, I think, uh, four years in a private school. uh, And while I was teaching, I was a classified teacher at the time, and within, uh, oh, about four years or so, I decided to go back and... I had to work on my bachelor's, so I did that, and and then I went, uh, when I was like age 50, I went back to get my master's in teaching, and then I was a certified teacher, so...
1: Good for you. It's just—it's just so hard to to believe that. I mean, we're old. <laughs> like, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I was fifty when I graduated from college, too. <laughs> anyway, um, so you—you you were diagnosed in two thousand three. Is that right? Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. So why don't you I, tell us
1: about that? Tell us about the day you were diagnosed. What yeah. What were you What were you doing in your life? What was your life like then? And and what what changed that day for you?
2: I was just finishing up the last day of my job at the public school. I had lost my job uh, due to budget restraints, and uh, then I found out I had breast cancer. Woohoo! Oh
1: and man, it was, double whammy, huh? Yeah, it
2: was a double whammy. But and so then I immediately. Soon as I'd heard that, I knew a one of my friends. There were about three of us in that school that had been diagnosed with breast cancer and at certain times and so i had gone soon as i heard that i went and talked to my friend uh one friend and she's you know this is what do i do now and so she helped me through some you know some tough times and and uh figuring out what to do and so i ended up deciding to do a lumpectomy and radiation okay For i think eight i think it was eight weeks at the time seven or eight weeks and okay. so it you know i Sometimes I feel, you know, I didn't do the whole cancer journey because I didn't have to have uh, chemo, and and I used to kind of apologize for that until until Sharon at uh, Breast Friends told me, you you know, do not do that. You had no, breast cancer.
1: You, you know? did, and you know, you heard the worst, you heard, yes. you had went through the worst part of it, and you know what the worst part was? Hearing that you had breast cancer. Yes,
2: yes. You know,
1: yeah. and, that and that's... You were just fortunate that you caught it early enough to not have it you know require chemo. No reason to apologize for that. And you know i do I do hear that you know from people from time to time that they I guess they call it survivor's guilt or something. Yeah. but but it and it is real. It's a real thing because I know you can really feel that. but but in the case of of cancer, the objective, if you're going to get cancer, is to catch it early and try to get it so you the treatment does become a little bit easier, and and that's really a good plug for early early testing, making sure you get you get your mammograms on a regular basis, and you know don't wait until you find a lump. And so I'm just going to give a plug here um, for early detection. Do not wait until you find a lump. I mean, of course, if you find one go but don't wait until then don't say well I don't have it in my family and I don't have any lumps so I don't need to go get tested yes you do you want to get a check every year and every year they compare this tissue against the previous year and they look for subtle changes those subtle changes detect something is going on and when you can catch those subtle changes you the treatment is just so much easier than it was for like me for example my, you know we I tested it I felt, I found a lump in my mid-30s and I thought oh no this is cancer and I'm not supposed to get cancer in your mid-30s so they say and but I went in and had a, a mammogram and they said it was just fibrous tissue so I stopped worrying about it stopped paying attention to it and that little lump that that little massive tissue you know thing turned into a big mass and it was it, there was cancer inside the growth i had i did have a a growth of tissue but there was a cancer there was cancer inside of it that we just didn't catch you know in my in my mid 30s so um but but i stopped checking for 7 years i didn't check for 7 more years and that's when we found it so if i'd gone in every year after that or at least starting in my 40 at age 40 we would have caught it before it had advanced as much as it did so so there's the plug for <laughs> yeah. for early detection so um so that so you went through treatment and then that's the only time that you've had to deal with it right
2: Yes, yes. And I do get my mammograms every year because that's how they found it. And I do I don't have family history. No one I'm the only lucky person in the family that has that has been diagnosed with breast cancer. So,
1: well, that's that's wonderful, and I'm I, I'm glad you know because it does sometimes it runs in families. But here again, Diana had it; she had no family history. So again, don't think because you have no family history that you're immune. Um, you may not. You may be. I mean, maybe you won't ever get it, um, but you might. And so, only about ten to fifteen percent of breast cancers are actually hereditary. The rest of them are either. They can be a family connection without being hereditary, um, but they can also most likely just be random, and most of them are just random. So so with that, we are actually going to take our first break, and so stay tuned. We'll be back in a
3: minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at BreastFriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit BreastFriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A
3: dot com.
1: Welcome back to our program. Um, as I always do, during when I come back in from a break, I want to remind you there are four ways to be involved in this program. One is, of course, to share the link to the program. If you know somebody that just you think might just like a boost today, you can send them the link to this show after it airs. Um, another way you can be involved is to donate via text. You can go just text BF Radio to four one four four four. You can join Breast Friends Around the Globe, which is a Facebook group page, which means you're allowed to make comments and you, you don't like the page. You ask to join the page. I will admit you. And then you can make comments and talk about, let us know where you're from. Uh, tell us maybe your cancer story and and share maybe an episode you listened to just recently. And then fourth, finally, is to nominate yourself to be a guest on the show. I am always looking for inspirational or educational um, presenters on the show. So with that, back to Miss Diana. So Diana, I got to ask you a question. And my husband is going to disagree with you, but that's <laughs> okay. He's not here to do it in person, so... I get to say what I want to say. He insists that he recruited you with a flyer on your car. And I know that there's another story. So why don't you tell us how you got recruited to work for Breast Friends?
2: (laughs) Well, actually, it is a fun... It's it's totally different. Well, it's not totally different, but a little... uh, He actually caught me in a a Starbucks uh, parking lot. I think I must have had a a breast cancer... uh, magnet on my car and he stopped and he handed me an invitation to I think the first gala and says you you need to get involved with Breast Friends and well the funny thing is i had been volunteering for a little bit with Breast Friends by then I think I was volunteering to help with that gala at the time so (laughs) so he and I have different versions but that's okay you know we can go with his if he wants you know okay
1: (laughs) Well, you know, the mind plays tricks on us, doesn't it? <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, well, whatever happened, Diana, I'm really glad because you did get involved with us pretty quickly and, and you know, it, talking in you, with you in the beginning of this, you talked about how you volunteered with, you know, in your kids' class. So why don't you talk to us just for a minute about, you know, how, how important is volunteering to you and, you know, why, why is it important?
2: Well, actually, volunteering has led me to three of my main jobs. That I started out volunteering at the school way back, and then they offered me the position. And then when I started uh, volunteering after that, I worked. I volunteered for another nonprofit, an educational nonprofit, and so they they ended up hiring me. And until they ran out of money. And then I started volunteering at Breast Friends, and the funny thing is, so I when I was still working at this other um, nonprofit, I was come in like maybe once or twice a week or whatever. And then uh, when I that job went away, I started coming in almost all every day. And all of a sudden, Becky says, "Diana." Are you not working? <laughs> so, because <laughs> I well, yeah. Now the funny thing you mentioned that yes, yeah, I did lose that job. So volunteering is you know is really important. It can lead you to um, to you know to a better life. To and it also, uh, like I said, kind of led me into going back to school, getting my bachelor's. That took me about five years part time, and then my master's in teaching took me a year. So that that started out you know
0: with a volunteering
1: job too. So and well you bring yeah. up a good point though, you know, when you're when you become a, a volunteer in an organization, a couple things happen. One, you can actually try out different organizations and find one that is a good fit for you, you know, as as the volunteer, but it also gives the organization an opportunity to see how you are as a as a worker. And all of the employees that we have now, every single employee that we have now at Breast Friends, and there's there's not very many of us, believe me, we're we're, we're pretty slim and we, we try to keep it that way so that we can, you know, use most of the revenue that we have, you know, toward our programs and stuff. But most of, no, not most, all of our staff members now currently started as volunteers, every single one of them. Even Sharon and me, went, you know, I was one of the co-founders and for the first seven years we didn't, we didn't earn a nickel. And so, um, you know, and we've never, we don't pay people a lot of money. Nobody gets, nobody's getting rich at Breast Friends. Um, But everybody that we have hired and put on payroll started as a volunteer, every single one. And we've had some in the past that we hired off the street and they're no longer with us. So there's something about the heart of a volunteer when you have a nonprofit organization we look for those people that have a heart for the work that they're doing. And when you volunteer to do something like that, you're doing it from the heart, not generally because you're hoping you know, to hold out for a big check or something because it's just not going to happen in our world. But, um, but I think that's really, you know, really critical. And then another thing that was really important, and Diana, you seem to plug into this really well, you know, matching up the skills that a person brings to the table you know, with with the openings that you have, and Diana had this amazing ability with computers. We we called her the fixer um, because whenever we had something that was wrong and wasn't working right with technology, we'd tell her. And even if she didn't have the answer, she wouldn't stop till till she got it. So I'm telling the audiences now. So, um, but that's that's kind of who you were, huh? You, in fact, I think you kind of liked the the little challenge of the puzzles, you know, that would come up.
2: Yeah, you know, I always love a challenge, especially <laughs> in technology. And and technology is very challenging a lot of the times. I mean, in general, e- yeah, yeah. Even when they decide to uh, uh, change something, update something to make it easier, uh, it's not always easier. So.
1: Yeah, it's not always easier, and then you have to learn it again. It's like a yes. whole learning curve. So, you know, one of the things that that you did for us, besides that, you know, we had a we had Volunteers that would come in, and you know, the hard part is. Hmm. Okay, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say this: when when volunteers come in the office to help, everybody wants to help, and you ask them, "Well, so what? What would you like to do as a volunteer?" And the the tendency is to say, "Oh, whatever you need, I'm here to do whatever you need," and and that's a lovely thought, but. Nobody wants to do the wrong kind of work forever. So there is nothing wrong with saying, you know, know, I'll do whatever you guys need, but here's my real love. We knew that Diana had technical skills, you know, with computers because we knew that was her background. So that very quickly became her job. But we lost a couple of really good volunteers because they came in and said they would do anything. And we had a program where we handed out these... um, little packets called first I cry packets and the most cumbersome part of those packets was these hankies that we had to fold constantly and put in the packets it was just a a constant folding the hankies so we had one lady that we gave that job to to fold hankies and one day she came in and she just did them all the time and one day she quit and we asked her why she quit and she said because I'm tired of folding hankies I have a I have a engineering degree or some some kind of crazy thing and we never knew that she wasn't happy doing that kind of work so i guess that's a key when you come in to volunteer somewhere make sure it's it's doing the kind of work or at least that they know what your skill set is so that they can take advantage of that skill set that's what we that's a really bad phrase isn't taking advantage of somebody's skill (laughs) set But you know what? you want to put that skill set to the best possible use. and And that makes the volunteer happy, and that makes the organization happy because we're getting our needs met. And you know it seemed to just be a really good fit. You just had a lot of the skills, diana, that we that we needed at that time, you know, um, besides doing data entry and and designing our website and maintaining it. Um, you know, you also could talk to patients because you'd had cancer. You'd been down that road before. Um, you oversaw the volunteer staff to just kind of you know make sure that they always had something to do when they came in the door which is not easy to do you know when people come in and they don't have a specific job what do you think you know when someone comes in when they volunteer and but we don't have a job for them how how hard is it to come up with something on the spur of the
3: moment
2: it's hard because you know you, you know until you get to know that person and uh, I I didn't do a lot of the volunteer i mean i oversaw the volunteer staff in the office and so Mm -hmm. i just talked to them and see what you know and so i was able to match them up to something but you're you're absolutely right if you're doing the same thing that as holding the hankies all the time and and you're you have a a degree in something you know and it can get boring and so they're not going to want to stay so you do have to match up their skills and yeah. and like you say take advantage of their skills <laughs> <laughs> yes, take advantage you know the, the
1: one nice thing when somebody comes in and all they do is fold hankies at least you don't have to worry about what to have them do because you we always had hankies that needed folding but but we did end up losing some very very qualified people because we never asked that question this is early on we kind of figured this out you know eventually to try to match people up with, with their skill set but um, and then you also did our banking and I mean you just did a lot of lot of things for us over the I guess 13 years that you've been with our organization because uh-huh. you started in yeah. 2007 when we met you on the when uh-huh. I met you on the stairs and and now it's your retirement at the end of this year so um yeah it's it's just it's just hard to it's hard to picture our office without you You know.
2: Uh, well it's going to be it's going to be different for me but I just decided uh, I'm not getting any younger, <laughs> and, so, and it was time. I'd been there, you know, like you said, for 13 years when you count yeah. my volunteer years, mm-hmm. and I just felt it. And I'm going to try to do some more traveling,
3: Good. and
2: and I hadn't planned on cutting my hours quite so short uh, until after until December, but COVID had other plans for yeah. me, and yeah. so. It's anyway, i did been working part-time at Amazon, which is quite an experience, uh, very physical work. You know you've worked after you've spent four or five hours there.
1: Wow. Okay. So, I, I did know that you went to Amazon. So I bet you a lot of people are curious about what about the inner workings of Amazon. I wonder if we can have this conversation without getting sued. What do you think?
2: <laughs> yeah, I just briefly, you know, what I do is I normally scan packages that come off the conveyor belt mm-hmm. and put them on pallets, and sometimes I deliver uh, closed pallets to to where they need to go for the truck and to load onto the truck. But it's it's. But so do you drive
1: a, a forklift?
2: No, no, oh. fortunately, no. <laughs>
1: they, you're not, I mean, funny, you're you know. a little tiny. For those of you who don't know, Diana's probably about three foot eight. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no. How tall are you? <laughs> you're very short, though. I mean, I tower over you, and I'm five one. so
2: <laughs> I don't know how tall you I'm are. I'm five but. feet.
1: Uh maybe you used to be.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, the last well actually I gained after my hip replacements, I gained a half an inch.
1: Oh that's so, that might be worth considering so, then. Huh?
2: But, <laughs> yeah. No, they have what uh to move these big pallets, they have pallet jacks. And okay. it look you know, it's and you put it into the pallets and then you uh And the pallet jacks are on wheels, and you move them. You know, so some of them are heavier than others. But it's like I said, you've known you you know when you've worked there. So So let me
1: ask you this: Are they COVID safe?
2: Yes, yes, they uh, they take your temperatures. We walk in there, and we have to wear masks. I don't know what life was like before masks, because there because. And ever since I've been there, you have to wear a mask, and I'll tell you, wearing a mask for four or five hours is is oh, yeah. torture. Brutal. So I yeah. feel for health workers that have to to wear them all day. And uh, so anyway, you know, this, this
1: probably helps our our listeners feel better because you know I know that Amazon probably is one of those companies that has. I'm sorry to sorry to say it. I mean, I hate to say it because it seems so sad, but they've probably thrived during this economy yes. because people are don't want to go out and you know pick up things so a lot of stuff gets delivered but I've often wondered when I see a package on my doorstep how safe it is you know um, so this is good to hear I'm, I I'm glad to hear that they're that they're taking precautions and doing everything that they can to keep keep us safe and you know, I may get some flack for this, but um, but I don't care. You know, if they're providing a service and um, and it's one that a lot of people utilize. So, so good for you, Diane. I'm glad you found a, a home. Is this a part? Is this this is obviously part time, but it's
2: just a part time, and I don't know how long. I know I'll be there. You know, I. It kind of depends on the weather this winter. How how I how much I really want to drive out to Hillsboro. Oh, um, is that where um, it is? Yeah, all, so, uh I don't know. It was just interesting to do, and it just kind of helped supplement uh, my income, so I can yeah. be ready for um,
1: retirement.
2: retiring yeah. in December. That's,
1: yeah. Okay. And we're gonna we're gonna talk up, about something that you do. But before you do, I wanted to ask you one more question about working at breast friends, you know, because it's, you've been there with us as we've, you know, as we've been growing and you were with us when, when COVID hit and you've kind of seen the, the challenges that we've, that we've faced this year, including doing our first virtual golf tournament. We've had a golf tournament, a very active and full, totally sold out golf, golf tournament for the last several years. And by sold out, I mean, 144 players, we've doubled up on every hole and we've sold out, <clears throat> excuse me, and now this year you saw us do a virtual golf tournament. So in your experience in working with Breast Friends, what are some of the highlight events that you have seen? What like what was your favorite event and what do you see different this year that we're facing that probably a lot of others are facing too?
2: Well, I think my favorite uh, is the gala. I love the gala because I love to get dressed up and, and do all kinds of, and do the uh, dinners and all that. And so that I was really sad when we had to cancel that. So mm-hmm. and uh, the luncheon was also you know, I think I started coming. Well, I started with luncheons at Coleman before before Breast Friends took it over. But I was really glad when Breast Friends took it over because it was more uh, personal.
3: Mm -hmm. You know, there
2: were, you know, it wasn't as large and you (coughs) got to know, I mean, I would work the desks, uh, the registration, and I would know a lot of the women that came in Mm -hmm. and got to know them. So that's, that was um, fun too in the golf tournament. I'm not much of a golfer, but i it was fun. It was get, fun to get to know the golfers and and so I've made some really good friends there. so
1: you know, and it's kind of funny because each of those events drew a really, I mean, there's a few people that go to all of them. I mean, and, we, and we're very thankful for that. Don't get me wrong. But it's kind of nice to see that we had three different types of events that that really catered to a different audience. And so we had a we got to meet a lot of different people. Some people we never saw except a golf. That's the only thing they cared about was golfing. <laughs> and they would show up for the golf tournament. And then the Survivor Luncheon was really catering to survivors and with the, our candle ceremony and all that was really quite a lovely thing. And uh, and then the gala, like you said, the dress up, that's our main event that funds our organization, you know, for the year. And um it it probably provides about 60% of our income for the year. So it's been challenging because we had to cancel that this year. We had to cancel our luncheon this year. Um but we've found, you know, alternative ways to to continue to, to support our patients and to bring in revenues to support our patients. So it's been challenging. The year's not over yet, but um but we just, you know, we thank people for their continued support and of course this radio show is has been um, a real blessing to me personally, and being able to bring people on the show like Diana and focus on her and feature her for, you know, a time. So, um, so we're gonna actually we're gonna go out to break on this Diana, and we'll be back in a in a minute or two. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at BreastFriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit BreastFriends.org and contribute today. Female Cancers Affect Women. But women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's
3: E-L-E-K-T-A dot com.
0: Into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to our program. We're talking with one of our uh, formerly key volunteers turned. Um, employee, and we love her to pieces. This is Miss Diana Bankey. So, Diana, um, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, And I hope this isn't too tough to talk about, but I don't even remember what year it was, but there were a few years ago, you had a very, very special friend who uh, lived in in Washington, D.C. area, I believe, or Maryland, somewhere in there. And um, he was battling cancer. And so you took... Nearly a year off, as I recall, to move back there and take care of him, basically for the rest of his life. And that process took as long as it took. You made no uh, mention of a certain date coming back, but um but when you were ready to come back, we had room for you. We made sure we saved room for you. and we we really appreciated that you had so much heart for. this person to go and do that I mean that was a heck of a sacrifice do you mind sharing with us a little bit about what that experience was like and maybe what you learned from it
2: it was the year was 2012, and I was okay. I was gone for a whole year. Uh, did not, you know, I wasn't sure how long he would last, but he lasted. He he was a trooper, and uh, he was a, a dear friend of mine from high school that we'd reconnected after 40 years. Uh, we'd lost touch, and so and then and that was. Right before he was diagnosed, we'd reconnected, and then he was diagnosed, and so we, we talked back and forth, and and working with a, a cancer organization, as, I, you know, I do, uh, they were understanding for me to go back, you know, I said, can I work part-time, which they did, I got to work, you know, best friends were really supportive, uh, let me work part-time to go back and take care of him. Uh, it was a very hard year um but it was it was gratifying i it i think it helped keep him out of a nursing home i don't mm-hmm. think uh had i not gone back i think his family probably would have put him in a nursing home or something and i don't think he would have lasted as long as he did he he lived for a year after i got there and um and i also found out how uh, important it is to uh for hospice, to have hospice, and what hospice workers do. They are just, I got a new respect for hospice workers. And uh,
1: so. 100%. I, yeah. I, I, I yeah. have that same, I mean, for different reasons, but I have um, total respect for our, for our hospice workers. They just seem to really have their pulse on, on what's happening, don't they? I mean, they, oh, really, yeah. they really get it.
2: Uh, yeah, And, and self-care a caregiver needs to take care of themselves because if you don't take care of yourself you really can't take care of the person you know that person so um, how did how did you do
1: that when you were back there you're pretty much alone with him right how did you pretty, how did you how did you do it was self-care? hard
2: I didn't do a lot of it, but I did. I remember one day I decided I wanted to go get a massage because I needed a massage. And I wasn't familiar with that area. It was in Virginia. And I got lost. (laughs) And by the time I found the place, I was super late. I was too late. And when they told me that, I burst into tears.
1: Oh, I never heard that story.
2: Yeah, it was, I'm going, but, 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 you know, and I, <laughs> this. so and please tell
1: me that they caved and gave you a massage.
2: I can't remember if I got half an hour. I might've gotten half an hour or if I, I think maybe they did give me a half an hour, and I think after that, then I think I made another appointment later. I, I mean, I'm but not
1: saying use the cancer card, but when you automatically break down into tears like that, I mean, I, I couldn't walk away from that. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, I'm not
1: a, a, just massage like a therapist, but, you know, if I were, I couldn't walk away from that. Oh, it was my just God. like a
2: flood of tears came, you know, because I, it was so pent up, and I, you know, yeah. but anyway.
1: You really needed it, Yeah. yeah. So, well... And then I know when you finally um, finally were able to come back home, you drove clear across country to get home, and didn't you arrive on Thanksgiving?
2: I arrived in uh, Boise at my sister's house on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving. I, yeah, I took yeah. seven seven days to drive back. I was going to try to take it a little easier and slower but um, and take Route 66 almost all the way. Well the weather had a little bit different story for me and so I had to I had to skirt some of the winter weather and go f- actually far is south. Oh, no I actually I was you going north. the south. Yeah, yeah. I did have to go north. That's right. Yeah, because the
1: weather was bad in the south that yeah. year for whatever crazy reason. Yeah,
2: it was it was yeah. a phenomenon of uh, super uh, storm that just you know, was hist- historic, sort of. Yeah. So I did. I went north, and it was much better. I went through Colorado and the Rockies, and there was hardly any snow at all. And so, but yeah. anyway, I made it to my sisters in Boise for for uh, Thanksgiving, which, and my other sister that lives in Ontario, and we—that was the first time I'd been home for a Thanksgiving in a long time.
1: Well. I'm glad they. I bet they were super glad to see you, and and then we got to see you shortly after that when you came back. <laughs> and we, yeah, we thought, yay, our Diana is back. Hallelujah. <laughs>
3: <You> know, <laughs> it was you know, nice, but I know it was.
1: I know it was bittersweet for you to be back. So, because to be back that meant that, that he was gone, and and that was not lost on us. So, um, and. So I and I okay, so we're gonna we're gonna switch gears again before we run out of time because I want you to tell our listeners about me retreats. And you know, in the beginning of this we talked about doing something that you love and even when things are kind of sucky in your world. And so you do these things all by yourself called me retreats. Why don't you tell us about that? And you always kind of pick the a a similar location to go for these, and I want to know why that's so special to you.
2: Um, I started me retreats back when I was teaching, um, at, in Gladstone. Uh, the, the day school was out, the day that we could, teachers could leave, I was packed up and I'd go to the beach. The ocean is kind of my, my, um. Re- recharging station, I guess you might say. And for uh, those
1: who so- don't know, Gladstone is a suburb of Portland. Oh. It's actually kind of part of Portland, and Portland is about 90 minutes from the from the Pacific Ocean. So we we're pretty close to the ocean. So I just wanted to add that yeah. for people who were li- listening to us out of the country and <laughs> don't
2: know this. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, and I would go uh, to this, mainly this one bread and bref- bed and breakfast in Depot Bay, which is there right on the ocean, uh, Pacific Ocean, and I uh, would stay there at least two nights, and uh, they, they took really good care of me, and I did that for years. I think I started that in probably ni- in the 90s somewhere, um, 1990s, and uh, I can't remember. Uh, but I would go there, and it took me, I did that for about three years, and then I finally branched out and went to other places uh, on the beach because I, I, you know, I was really comfortable at the Channel House, but then I just kind of wanted to branch out by myself. <laughs> and I'd just go, I'd always have a place that was right on the ocean, preferably with a hot tub on the deck like uh, channel house has
1: well I'm going to send them a bill for advertising because I just (laughs) gave them a heck of a good plug
2: (laughs) and so but anyway is and I could you know I go and just sit and listen to the ocean it was just like refreshed my soul and I could just be you know what I you know what I wanted to do and and uh then so sometimes what would you I, do
1: what do you do during these this time I mean you're in these places all by yourself just enjoying it you yeah. don't need people around you to to get your your space and you know and find that joy so what do you do at a me retreat what's a typical well, day
2: Pretty much, just go. A lot of times, I just go stay in the room and listen to and watch the ocean and sit in the hot tub, um, because after being in school for the year, around people, you know, you just want to get, you want to have some alone time. I really believe you need to have alone time, uh, just to take care of yourself. You know, self care. Mm-hmm. And especially if you've had some really hard, there were some really hard years that I I struggled and that it was very important for me to have those me retreats and uh, just go. And sometimes I take, I used to take three um, videos, uh, DVDs, uh, my favorite videos, and most of them were either romantic or Uh, (laughs) tearjerkers yeah I know the kind (laughs) yeah so and and so I used to always take those I forget sometimes now but almost every year I take those and uh, also that was the time about the same time that Janet Ivanovich uh, writer would come out with her her uh, her number series and she's a riot and so I'd always get the I'd always stop and get that book usually and it was and so I'd have that book to read so that's pretty much what I did and I usually had a fireplace so if it was cold I'd have the fireplace going and I could sit and read or watch my videos or just listen to the ocean and let it recharge my soul
1: you know that's a that's wonderful and you know I think I think we need to do more of that and you know there we're, there's so much focus on on You know, trying to be there for other people, especially when you're in this kind of work, you know, that we all do with with breast cancer, trying to be there to support the patients. I think sometimes we feel like maybe we might be seen as selfish if we do something that's just for me. But, you know, Diana, you're a wonderful example of that because every time you come back from your me retreat, you were charged and ready to go again. And you really do have, we have to take care of ourselves. Yes. We have to. So if anyone's thinking about doing something like that and you're worried about people misunderstanding it or something, do it anyway. Just, you know, figure out how to make it happen. And, you know, if you're a journaler, I don't know if you, you know, not everybody likes to journal, but if you do, that's a good time to, you know, take a, a, a blank book and, and maybe write some of the things that you're thinking about, things that come to your mind, you know, while you're, while you're by yourself and you can really, you know, kind of dig deep and think about things and who knows maybe those journals might lead to a book or something one day you just you just never know, you know what's going to happen. So but we we need to spend that time, that quality time, you know, whether you're in prayer over something, if you just, you know, want to spend your time in in worship or praise or or you're just reading a good book, watching a good movie, walking on... I know you like to walk on the beach, too, because I always hear about your walk on the beach, <laughs> so... I you know. don't
2: walk on the beach as much. I mean, for the first... yeah, you know, uh, But later years, I started walking on the beach more, but I, my thing is I prefer just looking at the beach most yeah. of the time.
1: Well, Diana, I know you talk a lot about finding your tribe and how you... You, you shared with me that you found your tribe when you, you know, when you joined Breast Friends and you started volunteering with us and how important is it to our, to our listeners to find their tribe? And what does that mean to you?
2: Yeah, well, it, you know, you have to find people that have you have something in common with and most of my friends didn't, you know, didn't have breast cancer or cancer. And, and so if, if, if you're in that unique, position you really need to find someone that understands uh what you what you've gone through and where you know where you're going and and so that i had not really thought about it as a tribe until yvonne uh, our director of programs joined our our uh, joined breast friends and she talked about a lot a, a lot and i'm going yeah that really yeah this is my tribe that describes I, it yep yeah yeah so <laughs> yep, that's and, good. I will have that tribe for the rest of my life. So
1: yes, you will. And even when you leave our our organization at the end of this year, believe me, you will be missed, kiddo. And you'll be welcome back to any of our events. And we love you to pieces. You've you've been such a such a blessing to our organization. And I can't believe that our time is up on the show. We've got about another minute or so. But is there any last words you want to leave with our audience? Um, well, just last thought.
2: I, I truly love Breast Friends, and I've loved the time I've been there. And it it is kind of bittersweet for me to leave, but I decided since I've been there so long, and, and I just turned seventy two this year.
3: Can't believe it's still uh, <laughs>
2: just actually a uh, few weeks ago, a week actually not anyway not
1: even uh, this not week even, I think.
2: <laughs> <Last> <laughs> and week. so. I decided, you know, I I want to do some other things before my time is up in, in this world and so hopefully I'll get to travel more and uh, but I'll, I will I will miss we're, best friends and we're, I will we're get to- end
1: it on that because we are out of time. So folks, we will be back next week and until then remember there is always hope and we are here to help you find it.
0: Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.